Father, we are truly grateful that you've given us the scriptures to learn and to live by. And God, we're equally grateful for your presence when we study them. God, I pray that you change our hearts. Help us to learn from Moses' journey with you this morning. God, as we look at the, the journey to promise and we, we talk about the I am statement of the living God and what God does because of his name, I, I pray that you would help us to learn. So God, I pray that you would shake off any timidity, fear, uncertainty, those naysaying thoughts that we have. So we would just listen with open hearts to what your spirit would say to us this morning. So give us grace to learn. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Exodus chapter 3. Going to cover a few chapters this morning. So some of it is going to be uh, narration. Some of it will be actually looking at the scriptures. Um, you all will remember from last week, we talked about the book of Exodus is really a book of covenants. It's a, it's a book of who is God. And then it's also the story of Moses and God's people. But it's really, really a demonstration of I am God. That's what this book is really about. And last week we looked at some of how God called Moses. And you guys know that you're all called. Yes. Okay, that was like Jason. <laughs> Do you all know that you're all called? Yes. yes. God has put his hand on every single life. It's a wild thing when you think about it, that the way that God moves is that he gives different people differently, so they come together and they make one unified effort for Jesus. It's really an amazing thing. So when we look at this, that's really what we're talking about. And when we looked at Moses' life last week, we looked at his statement out of Exodus 3.11, when God says, you're going to go do this, and you're going to go talk to Pharaoh, and you're going to lead the people out. And Moses says... Who am I? And I said this to you guys. Aren't, don't we all have the who am I moment? Yeah. I, I don't know a person alive that's ever done anything notable for God that didn't think to themselves, why me? Like, why would you want to use me this way? And it doesn't make sense. And what I found in my own journey and the lives of people I've studied, the lives of people I know, is that the release of God comes to people who say yes. But that doesn't mean they never say, who am I? I don't know anybody who didn't say, who, who am I? So listen, I want to encourage you that no matter what it is that you're going through, the who am I it needs to be put aside and just say, God, where are you taking me? You know, we, we looked at Moses' life and we wanted to learn some things. And Moses, he's an Israelite, a Hebrew. He was raised in Egypt, the Egyptian household, Pharaoh's house, but he was not Egyptian, but he looked like one. We talked about that last week. He's from the tribe of Levi, which is a priestly tribe, raised in the house of Pharaoh. He's a leader. He's a murderer. He's lots of things. But he's discovering that God called him to be the deliverer, the prince of Egypt, the one who leads his people out of captivity. So last week, just by quick review, we said, don't get ahead of God. Remember, Moses tried to get ahead of God a little bit, killed the Egyptian. Don't push your gift. Your gift will find its place. Let God raise you up in due season. And I said this to you, be you. Don't be somebody else. Don't try to be somebody else. One of my biggest challenges as a pastor coming up is I was always trying to be like somebody. Always. My church isn't big enough. Maybe if I did this, it would be bigger. My church isn't this, that, that. If I was more powerful, if I leaned into the spirit more, if I took more chances, more risks. Anybody ever thought this? I, probably all of us have felt diff that different times in our lives. Just be you. Walk the way God has called you to walk. Be faithful to the way he's given you gifts and watch him loose those things in you. And then I said this, don't ever lose interest in God. Remember the bush is burning? Moses could have run from the bush and what did he do? I got to go check this out. 
Listen, if you, if you lose the sense of curiosity, you'll lose discovering the, the majesty or the mystery of God. I encourage you, don't lose those things. And then when God calls you, he will appoint you, he'll anoint you, and he will send you. You don't have to make it up for yourself. It'll be God doing it. So, so the following verses are some of the most powerful verses you can look at in Scripture. See, when God starts to talk about his name, and that is what we're going to cover this morning, you can't miss this idea that God, when God declares who he is, that we should pay attention to that. Because you know this, church, we all have ideas about who we think God is. Watch. God is love. Somebody say amen, he is, by the way. God accepts everything. Uh-oh, uh-oh. But isn't that in our culture today? God says, I, I want to transform you. I want to lead you out. I want to change your life. And we want to squish our broken life into God's world and say it's all okay. That's what our culture does. Incidentally, the church does it some too, doesn't it? What we want to do is allow God to transform us so that we look more like him. So when we're looking at who God says he is, we want to take him at his name. So let's jump in, Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. And I'm going to start before the text that I'm going after, and then we're going to survey a few chapters together. So verse 10 of Exodus chapter 3, it says, Therefore come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, verse 11, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, certainly, this is God speaking, I will be what? I don't know about you, but that's pretty good stuff. Do you agree? Like if God is going to go with you, you should be like, okay, I feel a little better about this. This God, I, I, like I'm going to be with you. And, and this shall be a sign to you that, is, that I have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. Like right here, right now, you're going to come back and you're going to know it was me because you're going to pause right here and you're going to worship me with the people I'm telling you to lead out. Man, I'll send you so that you may bring them out. Moses, you got to love it. Who am I? We've all talked about this. We covered it all last week. I'm going to harp on it a little more today. Take that out of your vocabulary. Let God develop in you who he wants you to be and who he wants you to become. Moses says, who am I? So I don't know about you guys, but I argue with God sometimes. <laughs> Anybody else ever argue with God? Come on, show of hands. Let's be honest. You ever argue with God? God, God asks you to do something. You're like, really, God? Not me. Like, I, like, sometimes I argue because I'm stubborn. I don't brag about that, by the way, because you know that stubbornness and witchcraft, are, they're like bedfellows. That's what the scriptures say. Stubbornness is as the sin of witchcraft. Like, like, don't boast if you're stubborn. It's actually not a good thing. Sometimes I do it because I'm selfish. I just don't want to give up my time. Any selfish people in the room? Don't show me your hands. Oh, no, no, I, don't want, I don't want to see you. Sometimes, how about this one? I think this gets all of us, too. We're a little insecure. Yeah. What if I do this and it doesn't work? What if I fail? What if God doesn't meet me at that? And all of us feel these things. So we argue with God. Listen, can I say something to you? You've got to work out your inadequacies. He'll do it if you're willing. He doesn't look for the most skilled, the most competent, the most articulate. I mean, Moses, you're going to see, Moses actually makes God mad by saying, I don't know how to speak very well. We're going to look at that this morning, too. It, it, listen, God will take your inadequacy. He'll work even through your own fears if you'll surrender them to him. He'll work that way. See, God, li li listen. <laughs> Say, say, Pastor, I love you. He's God. You're not. Okay, can I just say it that plainly? Like, who are we to say to God, nope? 
No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to give that. I don't want to sacrifice. Who are we to say to the one who rescued us from hell? No, just don't want to do that. I don't, isn't that kind of like, when you think about it in the context of he's God, the supreme, all-powerful, sovereign being in the entire universe, and you're going to stand up against him and say, eh, never mind, no, forget that. Isn't that arrogant on our behalf, don't you? He's God. That is the number one reason that we should say, man, yes. He says to Moses, listen, I'm going to be with you, and it'll be a sign you'll worship on this very mountain. You're going to know that you know that I am with you. See, God promises this. He promises himself. You're like, yeah, but I can't, I can't see him. I can't touch him. Like, this is Moses' issue. You're going to see this in a second. He's like, what about Aaron? Let Aaron talk, his brother. And God's like, but I want to do this through you. Anybody ever said, let somebody else do it? (laughs) Come on. You know, listen, you know how many times I've said to God, our church isn't big enough to do that, God. We're just not big enough. Like, we're, like, we couldn't handle that that magnitude of, you know, if you brought me different people, more people, Come on, am I talking to anybody right now? We make all the reasons why it could work instead of, listen, walking by faith and trusting God to do what he said he would do through your life. you got to remember this. It's God's ideal. It's not like Moses showed up one day and said, yeah, people, we're all going to go to the promised land. I remember the covenant. He would hide in the backside of the wilderness tending sheep. He wasn't, it wasn't Moses' idea. It was God's. And when it's God's idea, it's our job to surrender and walk where God leads us. And, and you discover the beauty of that, like the power of walking with God in seasons like that. And, and Moses says, says to God, like he says, listen, I'm going to go with you. You're going to worship on this mountain. He says to, back to God in verse 13, he says this. He says, behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I'm going to say to them that the God of your fathers has sent me to you. By the way, can I give you a little time window? It's about 400 years after Abraham, Okay. So just, you know, come on, our country's not even quite 300 years old. 250, something like that. Okay, so 250, we've already forgotten who we are, haven't we? This is just 250. 400 years, incidentally, they're not even in their own land. They're in captivity. They've already been dispersed. They don't know who they are. And he's saying, oh, so you want me to go tell them that God who prompt, like, I've heard those stories. That's what's going on. He's like, you really want me to go and tell them like that? Well, what should I say is his name? Like, what am I going to say to them? How am I going to convince them? Come on, you ever felt that? God says, hey, I want you to go talk to your, your cousin about Jesus. You're like, do you know my cousin? You know all the stupid stuff we did? You want me to convince him? Go talk to your husband, your wife, your grandma, your aunt, your co-worker. And we immediately come up with reasons when God was the one who told us to go for why we can't do it. What am I supposed to say? Now, what I like about this, I don't think God is threatened by those questions. Unless there's indifference in us, unwillingness in us. But I've had lots of times where God has said, I want you to go do this thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm in, but I don't know what to do. You know, that, I think God is okay with those ones. I think it's more when we're saying we're just, I'm not going to do it. That I think God is a little bit like, really? I thought I was God, not you. What's crazy is that God will work within our will to get us where he wants us to be. Exodus 3.14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. 
You know, like this is the whole ontological argument, the, the, the argument of being. Does God be? That's what you're talking about. And, and in the context of this phrase, when God says it, he's saying, listen, tell them this. I was with them back then. I am with them right now. And I'll be with them when they get to the promised land. So you've got to think this way about God. He's eternal. He's everywhere all the time. That means God is already where we're going. He lives outside of time. Like, you got to think like this. Like, if we were watching a parade, we would be looking through a knot hole in the fence, and we'd be watching the parade go by, time. God is above the, he's just looking at the whole parade front to back. He's not limited as we understand limitation. It's not limited like that. So when we say to God, hey, no way, he says, listen, I am. Go tell the people, I am sent, sent you to them. I, I sent you, me, the God of the universe who's always been. So when you talk about uh, I am, like this is the name of God. This is what's known as the tetragrammaton. You're like, oh, man, I'm going to check out. He's going to get technical only for a second. Only for a second. Just hang in with me. You guys ever seen the letters Y-H-W-H? We're going to say it. That's four, tetra, four, grammaton, grammar, four, four letters is what that means. It was so holy, regarded so holy, they wouldn't say the name. They would substitute it. So when they were in the scriptures writing the name Yahweh, which is what we've come to make it, we added the vowels to get Yahweh. That actually isn't the original. The, the original is Y-H-W-H. That's it. By the way, and this is just free, Jehovah is a transliteration into to Latin and Greek later in, in time. So the word Jehovah technically, technically doesn't actually exist in old, old ancient, doesn't exist. You're getting the translation into English and stuff. But anyway, tetragrammaton, four letters. We added the vowels to make it say Yahweh. So holy that this is how they would handle it. When they came to that, they would stop and they would say El, which means God. Elohim, which means God, plural. Or Adonai, which means Lord. It was so holy they wouldn't even say the name. If they wrote it, they would take a bath, write it, take another bath, and then continue writing I mean, a whole, man, we come in all crazy, don't we? We don't regard God all holy like that. We're like, oh, just come in. God to take me however I am. They were so reverent of who God was. Then not only would they not say his name, they'd take a bath to even write his name. And like, it's radical, the difference in how they perceive God versus us. Now, I say, I love grace. Say it to me. You know why I love grace? Because it means I can go boldly before the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace in my time of need. The New Testament's a whole different thing. But that doesn't mean we should ever minimalize it or misuse it. God says to Moses, listen, I am. I'm the God who is. I'm the God who's present. I'm the God who was with you, the God who's with you now. I'll be with you in the future. How many of you need to know that God will, God's already in your tomorrow? Amen. How many of you need to know that? You should need to know that. I need to know that. So, so when I was growing up, like, I, you know, you guys know I have a big, giant family, 12 kids. Well, I was a critter guy. How many of you guys like critters? Like lizards, snakes, frogs. Some of you are like, that's disgusting. I can't believe they give you warts, right? No, they don't give you warts, actually. But I loved catching critters. So I grew up in Monrovia, and we used to ride our bikes over to Fish Canyon, which is like Azusa Canyon, San Gabriel River. Guys, anybody know where this, like you cross over it on the 210 freeway, right? So we would go over there and we'd go catch stuff. 
So we're in the water one day and we're swimming, just being kids. And it's like big, giant gopher snake, things like five feet long. And I catch him. I'm, some of you are like, don't. If you've ever been around here, every now and again, a snake will show up. Just get me. I'll catch him. I, love, I know you guys think what a weirdo Pastor Jane. So, so I'm, I'm walking home with this big giant snake. Like I, I'm like this tall. The snake is taller than I can hold up. Like it'll touch the ground. It's huge. And, and this kid comes and he goes, let me see your snake. And I'm like, oh, I'm all proud of it. Yeah. Well, his name was Chad Hunter. I still remember his name. Is that crazy? This is my only interaction with Chad Hunter in my whole life. He didn't go to my school. I did not know him. He took my snake. So I'm like, man. So the next day, my brothers come, come over. They don't live at home. They're older than I am. Remember, I'm the baby. They were adults. And they come over, and I'm telling them the story. Man, I caught this snake, Paul. Like, it was a Chuck, you know, our two brothers. It was big, man. The thing was like five feet long. It was awesome. It was fat, and it was healthy. They go, what happened to it? Chad Hunter. Dead serious. And they go, you know where Chad lives? Dead serious. I go, because matter of fact, so they bring me over to Chad's house. I knock on Chad, give me my snake with my both brothers standing behind me. When he asked for it the day before, I was like, uh-uh, he'll beat me up. He's like three or four years older. He's way tall. He's going to whoop up on me, not going to let that happen. I Give me my snake. And he gives me back my snake with my brother. Listen, I was brave because who was with me? You should be brave because who was with you? Please. We get stuck in it, don't we? Come on, let's be honest, church. We should be brave because God said, my name is I am. I'm present always. Man, you just had church. You can go home now. I'm serious. No, so the, because we lose sight of this. God is always with me. You don't understand. My marriage is terrible. God is with you. You don't understand. I don't have any money. God is the provider. You don't understand. He doesn't care about me. That's just straight a lie. We get lost in this stuff, church. I get lost. Listen, I'm your pastor, and I grapple with these things, so I know you do. We all do. I'm just telling us, let's step up a little bit, huh? Let's walk like the God who said I'm always present is literally always present. See, with God, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. He's present all of the time, all of the time. He's in your past, he's in your present, he's in your future. And I don't want you to lose sight of it. When you think of the name like I am Yahweh, think presence. So when God says, I am with you, he's like being literal that he is with you. He goes on in verse 15, he says, God furthermore said to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name for how long? Forever. Wait, wait, wait. He doesn't change, right? Forever. Okay, good. And this is my memorial name to all generations. Literally in the translation, generation to generation to generation to generation to never ends. So what God promised to Abraham some 4,000 years ago or somewhere thereabout, he's still promising to you today. I'm the God of promise. I never change. I'm with you. I'm present. I don't ever leave you. God tells Moses, go. He says, I will. And he says, they will listen. Watch verse 16. He says, go and gather the elders. By the way, anytime God calls you, he's going to ask for a response. Going to tell you to do something. Says to Moses, listen, go and gather them. Now, if you're not confident that, the, that God is with you and you're going to go gather the elders, in other words, the leader of each tribe and household, you're going to say, come and talk to me. Because like, God's talking to me. 
Would that be a little unnerving? Would you guys agree? Uh, I think it would be difficult to do that. And, and that's exactly what God says. He says, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God, he keeps repeating this, God of your fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has prepared to, appeared to me saying this, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done in Egypt. Now go gather them. So, I, man, I don't know. If, if I'm Moses, I'm like, really, you want me to go do that? Verse 17, he says, so I said, I'll bring, I'll bring you up out of the affliction of the Egyptians to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, Perizzite, Hivite, and the Jebusite, the land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to bring you up out of affliction. Now, I need to just pause right there. When I was studying this, I just really felt like the Lord said, this is where some people are living. They're living feeling like life is against them. And you need to say to them, I'm taking you out of affliction. You're like, yeah, pastor, that's what you're supposed to say. You're a pastor. No, I'm saying that like I don't generally say, thus say it the Lord, but thus say it the Lord. He's taking you out. He's taking you out. But, but listen, listen, you got to walk out. You've got to walk where God leads you to go. Oftentimes we stay in affliction because we choose not to walk where God led us to go. Just that simple. I don't think God is limiting himself. I think often we are limiting God because we just don't respond where he wants us to go. So I want to encourage you. When he says go this way, go this way. Don't, don't start arguing with God about this or that thing. He will bring you out of affliction. In verse 18, he said, they, they'll pay heed to you. In other words, they'll listen. Like God is telling him, listen, Moses, if you'll just go, you go gather them. I'll set, send them out of affliction. They, they'll listen. Just go. Like, I wonder if God was all chill about it. You guys ever wonder, like, how, would, how was God talking to Moses? Like, Moses, listen up. Go gather him. Or was it kind of like, hey, Mo, like, check it out. I got this thing I want to do. I don't know how God was. I, I think it's more like this. Moses, I've appointed you. I want you to go do this thing. Moses like, really, me? Yeah, yeah, you. Just go on, do it. Yeah, but I'm a little uncertain, God. I know. But I chose you. So go do it. So you want you go gather him? Yeah, just go gather him. The elders, really? Yeah, the elders, just go do it. You'll be surprised. Tell them I'm going to lead them out of affliction. So really, you're going to lead them out of affliction? Like, you're going to take them out of slavery in Egypt? You're going to lead them out? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to fulfill the promise. They're going to go to the promised land. Promised land? Really? Promised land, God? You want me to tell them that? Anybody ever felt this? God, you really want me to tell them that you love them, that you have a better life for them, that they don't need to go to hell? You really want me to tell them that? What do you think God says to that? Yeah? Go tell them. You know, during worship, one of the brothers in the body came and he whispered in my ear, he said, a lot of people struggling with fear in here. They don't feel confident to say what God has put on their hearts. They, they're, they're timid. And I said, yeah. I said, that's okay, we'll encourage them. I didn't get to say anything, it was during worship, but I'm like, in my head, I'm like, okay, God, encourage them not to be afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear power, love, and a sound mind. Sometimes it just takes the courage to say yes to what God is doing. So they'll pay heed to you. They're going to listen to you, verse 18. And you with the elders of Israel will come to the king of Egypt, and you'll say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So now please, they're polite about it, let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. So, so 
you know, some of you know recently Pastor Jack Hayford passed away. You guys, you guys are aware of that. Some of you don't know who Jack Hayford is. Um, he was a very prominent Christian leader. I, I had the privilege of sitting in a couple of, like, intimate pastoral groups with him. Uh, he used to be the president of Foursquare, like, muckety-muck, like he's bigwig in Christianity. He's 88, so he lived a full life, not like anything got stolen. What's interesting to me is I walked around and talked with different people about it. I was shocked how many people had interaction with Like, even Santosh and I, he's like, oh, yeah, he traveled India with my dad. I'm like, your dad knows Pastor Jack? I call a pastor buddy up on the hill. He's like, oh, I travel with Pastor Jack. He goes, my heart's broken. We were really close. Pastor Dan down at Water of Life, he and I are talking, and he's like, he's like, wow. He goes, what a, what a loss. I mean, yes, he lived a full life, but he said, this is what he said. I go, man, who's the next Jack Hayford, Dan? Who's the next guy? Listen, you got to understand some of the character of this guy, and I'm not promoting him. Christ in him, please understand. Christ in him. Who's a guy who can cross denominational lines? Because Pastor Jack was able to do that. He could go to Foursquare, Assemblies, Bat, like, have you guys heard of Promise Keepers Movement, all the men's conferences? He was one of the spearheads of that. Wow. Networking all these different church movements and groups and getting them to work together to build the body of Christ. Guy was mad. I go, who's the next Jack Hayford? And Pastor Dan said, man, this was his response. I actually want to read this to you because I thought it was so insightful. He said, man, he said, we've lost all the clear prophetic voices Jack Hayford, Billy Graham, Bill Bright, recently Chuck Smith died. I mean, several different really prominent leaders. And he said, and there's nobody on the horizon like those guys. By the way, this is like a muckety-muck. He's influential. Like, he's not me. Nobody knows me. People know him. He said, I don't see it. And I said, man, that's interesting that you framed it. I'm just sharing with you that the men had a unique, all these men had unique anointings. They were prophetic voices. What do you see as the attributes of a person or people to fill those types of shoes? This is his response. First, you got to be focused. He said, most of our leaders today, they get distracted by book writings and money in the world. I was like, eesh, because I want to write a book. No, I'm serious. I read it and I went, just shut up. Don't say. I went, okay, slow down. I don't know that I've got anything to say, but it is a life goal to write a book. None of those guys, speaking of Jack Hayford and others, lost their way because of those sorts of things. Incidentally, I think Jack wrote 50 books. It's not like he wasn't a writer. He said, but that, that didn't capture them. It takes clarity of vision to be a real prophetic voice. So who's going to be the next prophetic voice? Who's going to be the next Moses to Israel or the next Jack Hayford to America? Who's that voice? I, man, I don't know. I think we need to start praying, though, if, if we have to be, like, transparent about it. Because I do think that God moves through people to speak to the generation that's behind them. I know for me personally, I'm taking a lot of time, but I think this is kind of important. For me personally, that man in particular had more impact on me as a pastor than maybe the only person more would be Pastor Dan and Pastor Dave. Other than that, I sat with him for two different weeks, two different occasions, for an entire week this far from him asking questions. Well, he's teaching me how to be a pastor. You should think this way about ministry. You should think this way about the Word of God. You should think, like, you know why this might sound weird? Who's the worship leader in our church? No, I am. No, seriously, I don't play guitar and sing, but I'm the worship leader. You're like, oh, what are you all proud of? No, no, no. 
I sat in a class with Pastor Jack. He said, no senior pastor should ever think it's not his job to influence the worship in its direction in his church. Now, Santosh, do I ever tell you what to play? Almost never. I trust him and I pray for him. There's times I'll say, hey, I like this song. But ultimately, we are collaborating to help you guys in our worship. I learned that from him. How I think about myself, how I understand grace to do what I do versus like a, it's the same grace. We all need grace. See, there's things about growing that we need to look for people who are that influential in our lives. We need the next prophetic voice, just like Moses was to the people of Israel. Okay, that was a little bit free. Let's keep going. So now we're going to jump into chapter four. So that kind of more or less wraps up chapter three. The point being that God's name is I am. He was, he, he is, and he will be with us all the time. So, so. I want you to take notice of how it takes faith and partnership with God to get through the seasons that feel a little bit confusing. So verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, Moses said, what if they don't believe me or they don't want to listen to what I say? Mm, I don't know. They may say to you, the Lord hasn't appeared to you. What if they start to challenge your authority as a leader? Anybody ever had their authority challenged? Who are you to tell me? I've had people do that with me as a pastor. I've had them do it with me as a boss. I've, had, I've watched it happen. It's been done to me, been done through all of that. And really, Moses is asking a really good question. What if they just don't want to do it? So God gives Moses three signs, three signs. The first one is the staff. The second one is lepr leprosy. The third one is turning water into blood. So, so let's read through this just a little bit so that we get a little bit of context. Try not to read the whole chapter, but... Uh, let's see how we do. So, so verse 2, the Lord said to Moses, what, it, what is it that's in your hand? And he said to him, a staff. He said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. So Moses, unlike me, is afraid of snakes. <laughs> so he's afraid of it, runs away. But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand, grasp it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand, he caught it, and it became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to you. So the staff, Moses throws the staff on the ground, and he picks it back up. Why a serpent? Hmm. Now, never look at scripture and just think it's a stick. Okay? Don't ever look at scripture. Anytime you see somebody holding a staff, a staff is always a sign of authority in scripture. It's not small that Moses had a staff that turned into a serpent that he was able to grab and return it into a staff, demonstrating his authority over darkness because we know that Satan is called the serpent. That is what you're seeing in this story. When you're wondering whether or not Moses had the oomph, he sure did because God gave it to him. So the first thing is a staff. He throws it, serpent, picks it back up to demonstrate his power, his authority over the spiritual realm. Verse six, then, then furthermore, he said to him, now put your hand in your bosom. So he put his hand in his bosom and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then he said, put your hand back in your bosom. So he put his hand in his bosom again and then he took it out of his bosom and behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. He says, if they won't believe you or heed the witness of the first sign, they may believe, interesting, the witness of the last sign. So, man, so why leprosy? I just got a simple question for you. Is God a healer? Yes. Is he one that can, can restore the brokenness of sin that occurs in the life of people? Yes. Absolutely. 
So now you've got authority over darkness. You've got authority over creation. That's what's happening. He's, he's showing, listen, Moses, if you're wondering whether or not the people understand, there's a story later where the people are getting bit by serpent. Moses holds up a serpent, and it's a demonstration of Jesus being on the cross. The people are healed when he holds it up. It's wild stuff. It's very supernatural stuff. Listen, very powerful stuff that often we just look straight past. We don't even take it seriously. Verse 9, he says, but if they don't believe even these two signs uh, or, what, what, or heed what you say, by the way, didn't God say they're going to listen? Yeah. <laughs> Is that wild? Like they're going to listen, sort of. <laughs> but go do it anyways. That, that's what's going on. He says, then you shall take some of the water of the Nile and you shall pour it on dry ground and the water which you take from the Nile will become blood on dry ground. Then Moses said to the Lord, this is verse 10, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in times past, nor since and have I spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And he's just making excuses. God takes, now why water? Why blood? Guy, like you guys ever look past the, just the story itself? How many of you guys remember when Jesus was pierced on the cross? What came out? Water and blood. You guys remember the scriptures that say stuff like, life is in the blood. It's a demonstration of God's authority over life itself. So listen, let me put this in modern English for you. He's saying, Moses, go to the people and tell them this. I've got them. Well, what if they want to listen to me, God? Tell them that I'm the one who preserves life itself. So if they're wondering whether or not they're going to die, Pharaoh can't kill them. That's mine. Now, you're going to my authority, so demonstrate to them. Demonstrate to them by turning water into blood that I'm the one who has authority over life. You've got to understand, that's who has authority over life, no one else. See, and he's like, man, but, but you've got to love Moses. But I, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't speak very well. That's what Moses is doing. He, he says, man, he says, please, Lord, I, I'm not eloquent, neither recently or in the past, nor since he spoke to your servant. Incidentally, he was raised in Pharaoh's house, educated by the best of the best, thinking maybe he's not being truthful. Just saying, just saying. The Lord said to him, who's made man's tongue, his mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth, and I'll teach you what to say. But he said, please, Lord, man, now send the message by whomever you will. In other words, pick somebody. Oh, man, then there's everybody, isn't it? By, by the way, you ever wondered, like, was Moses actually legitimately unqualified, or was he qualified? Like, is he making excuses or not? You ever wondered that? Yeah. Oh, watch, this is what it says in Acts chapter 7, verse 22. It says that Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians. In other words, he, he had the best of the best. And he was a man of power in words and in deed. Wow. So that means I get to go to heaven, see Moses, go, you a liar? No, I'm playing. I'm not going to do that. But he, no, he was scared. Let's just be honest. Watch, just like us. Not any different. He was afraid to take the step that God had asked him to take, and he pulled back. Now watch. He keeps saying, no, God, I don't speak. I don't. Now, what's wild to me, look at the response of God in verse 14. He says, the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. Can you make God mad? Yes. Yes. Still used him. 
Still did it. Still kept. Now, some of you are like, man, I got to get out of here. This pastor, like, God is nudging me right now. I don't need this message. I just want to go back to my life. I want to watch football this afternoon. Don't want to talk to nobody about Jesus or drinking or nothing. Just want to hang out. And God is saying, open your mouth. I just need you to open your mouth. I don't, but I want to open my mouth. I, don't, I, just, I want to just chill. I want to be cool. I, I, don't want, I, don't want, I don't want to open my mouth, God. God's like, would you just please? Do you ever think God gets mad at us? I know God has gotten mad at me. I've gotten, like, how do I know God loves me? I've gotten my share of whoopings. That's for sure. I have. And if God loves you, he'll chastise those he loves. I know he loves me. Okay, let, let's keep going. I'm getting, getting some slowing down a little bit. So, so Moses then says to God that God's anger burns against Moses. And this is still verse 14. Is there not your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently. And moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he's going to be glad in heart. So, so Mo, finally, God says to Moses, okay, fine. You can take Aaron. Watch, anything I, now I'm going to narrate a little bit. Anything I say to you, you say to Aaron, Aaron will do the speaking. That's with Moses standing right there. Man, do you think he maybe looked like a stooge a little bit? Like, Aaron, say this. Oh, God says, I, come on, man. I, I just, like, I look at stuff like that. I'm like, you big chicken. But then I've been a chicken. So what happens? Now i got to fast forward, tell a little of the story. We'll be here till like 2 o'clock, and you guys will be mad, and I don't want to stay that long. So, so the, the story translates. God says, yes, Aaron can do this with you. He says, now go ahead and go back, perform the signs, connect with the people, demonstrate for them that I appointed you. That's what's going on. Go to Pharaoh, tell him, let my people go three days into the wilderness. Let them worship, sacrifice to God. This is what God wants to happen. And Pharaoh says, not going to happen. I'm not going to let that happen. Anybody ever had God say no to something that should happen? All the time. But come on, our country is full of things that God doesn't value that still get pushed through. Hello? I think, I'm confident someday we're going to stand before God and answer for the whole abortion issue in our country. Confident of that. I think we're going to answer for some of the sexuality stuff, particularly when the body of Christ embraces things that are contrary to Scripture. I just think those are massively, massively dangerous when we embrace them. I think God just goes, no, I'm not okay with that. So Moses does finally go to Pharaoh. He says, let my people go. Moses, or Pharaoh says to him, no way, not going to happen. I will not let Israel go. Verse 2 of chapter 5 now, like I said, going a little fast because I want to get to a point at the very end of this that I think is good for all of us. So Pharaoh then takes away the straw, says, listen, listen, I'm not, not only am I not going to let them go, I'm going to make their work harder. So I, I used to supply straw. They'd make the mud bricks. Incidentally, if you go through the historic record, you can see the building in ancient Egypt where the bricks are very good, and then there's a season where the bricks are not. Because they had to gather their own straw, and it's not as woven together. It's not as dense. It's not wild. Like, even the archaeological records show that this has actually happened. So it's pretty wild. I mean, Pharaoh says, nope, but the quota stays the same. The work's harder. Make it happen. You know what's funny about slavery is that when you're a person who lives in slavery, you think it's normal. You think it's normal. They thought slavery was normal. Like, they get all uptight with Moses. The foreman of the sons of Israel came out and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, why do you deal with us? We're your servants. We're good guys. We're making you your bricks. Why are you being so harsh with us? Man, it's, in slavery, it's perpetual. It's self-fulfilling. You think like a slave, you'll act like a slave. 
How do I know that? Because I have areas where I think that way myself. God will never bless me like that. And I go, okay, well, self-fulfilling prophecy. See, when we believe like sons and daughters of the king, then we receive like sons and daughters of the king. You know, we'll see later the people are going to get upset, but let's keep on. So, so verses 20 and 21, again, I'm narrating some of this. Then the people get mad at Moses and Aaron. So first they get mad at Pharaoh, like help us out a little. And now in verse 20, they say this, when they left Pharaoh's presence, they met Moses and Aaron and they were waiting for them. Verse 21, it says, and they said to them, may the Lord judge you. Like what the heck were you guys thinking? For you made us odious in Pharaoh's sight. In other words, you made us smell badly. That's actually literally what that means. It says you made us smell badly in, in, in his servants to put the sword, wait, to put a sword in his hand to kill us. Man, you, you set us up to die. By the way, this is one of many times they're going to say that to Moses and Aaron. Just the, this is just one of the first times. See, because when you live in slavery, you think slavery is what? normal. You live in sin, you think it's normal. Listen, this is all over the body of Christ. We live, there's so much sin within the body of Christ that we think that God is okay with sin. It's just the truth. See, I say this all the time. We shouldn't be surprised when sinners sin. We should be surprised when saints sin. We should be. doesn't mean we never will sin, but it means we should own it and fix it when we do, right? But they're, they're like, man, Moses, you're crazy. God should judge you for this. You made us stink badly. And Moses then replies like he, he gets mad at God now. Verse 22, tell me if you've ever done this. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, why have you brought harm on this people? Why did you ever even send me? Like if you weren't going to do it, why are you sending me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done harm to the people and you've not delivered the people at all. If, as best I understand, it's just called God a liar. Or, or, because you're going to see this later, he had enough depth, boldness, and intimacy with God to actually say, God, I don't get it. Anybody ever said to God, I don't get it? Like, I try to walk with you. I try to serve you. I, I mean, I did this recently with God. Like, I don't get it. Like, life should not be this hard right now. Why is it so hard? And usually, 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 when I get that way with God, he doesn't start pointing at everybody that's making my life hard. He starts pointing at my heart. Is this true for anybody else? You're a little hard-hearted, a little crusty, a little stubborn, a little selfish. Got something going on in there. Usually whatever's going on inside will start to flow out of you outside. He says, man, why did you ever send me? You're not going to deliver the people anyways. Now, this is where it gets good. Okay, so look at somebody next. You say, it's, it's about to get good. It is. It's about to get good. Now I'm going to fast forward to chapter six. I told you guys I was going to survey, not, not going to cover every verse. This is where it's about to get good. Remember, the title of the sermon is I am and I will. So the I am declares that I will. So watch verse one of chapter six it says, then the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I'm going to do to Pharaoh for under compulsion. He's going to let you go. So, so God always had a plan. So you say amen. God always had a plan. The plan didn't look all nice and pretty, right? But he had a what? Always. He says, man, for under compulsion, I'll let them go. And, and under compulsion, he will drive them out of this land. For God spoke further to Moses, and he said to him, I'm the Lord. So, so notice this. See what I will do to Pharaoh. 
He's pushing them. God spoke to Moses some more. He says, I'm the Lord, and I appear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, I did not make myself known to them. By the way, nobody else knew God by name until Moses knew it. I don't know if you ever noticed that before. I didn't notice it before because when I read it, I was like, holy cow, nobody else actually knew him as God, God? They knew him as a God, a general God, but not the God of gods? Yeah. I also established my covenant with them. Incidentally, covenants are promises that God doesn't revoke to give them the land of Canaan, the land which, which they sojourned. Furthermore, I've heard the groanings of the sons of Israel because of the Egyptians that are holding them in bondage, and I've remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, watch, and I will bring you out from under burdens. These are declarations you should speak over your own life, church. You're God, so you will bring me out of my burdens. How many of y'all got burdens? Come on, give me a hand, church. Give me two hands if it's a rough season. Come on. <laughs> You've got burdens. And God says this, I will take you out from your burdens. Amen. See, these are all promises because God is timeless. He never changes. Somebody say, man, you guys awake? I got like three or four minutes. Come on, stay awake with me. Don't go to sleep. Some of you guys are like, he's preaching for a long time. It's not that long. I'm almost done. Almost done. Yeah, so you go, go another hour. No, I don't want to. <laughs> he says, I've heard the groanings. Um, let's see, I lost, I lost where I was at. <laughs> Verse 6, thank you. I'm the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Here's the next one. I will deliver you. How many of you guys need a deliverer? By the way, people in bondage need what? A deliverer, somebody who takes them out of chains, out of imprisonment. He says, I'm, I'm going to deliver them from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. So just in these verses, God says he's going to take you out of bondage. He's going to take you just out and deliver you. And he's going to redeem you, which means like, you've got to think this way. If you have something, like let's say you got a new car. Now, this is not language we use anymore, but would you deem that car valuable? Yes. Yes. Deem means to appropriate value to something. Like, I would deem a brand new car valuable. Well, you were deemed valuable by God. Well, when you fell, you lost that value. And God is saying this, I will redeem, revalue you. That's what he says about all of us. He says, I'm going to redeem you, reposition you, replace you the way that you were always intended to be. And, and then he says it this way, with an outstretched arm, in other words, you're going to see my power and with great judgment against the Egyptians. You're going to watch your adversary succumb to you. And you're going to watch it all happen by the hand of God. It's not going to be because somebody was clever. You're going to watch God do it. And as we keep studying the story, you're going to see that God is going to show up over and over. He says, then, then I'll take my people and I will be with and I will be your God. Verse seven. And you shall know that I am the Lord who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egypt, Egyptians. I will bring you to the land which I swore to, to give Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And I will give you it for a possession because I'm the Lord. There are a lot of I wills, aren't there? There's not a lot of you wills or I have tos or I shoulds. There's a lot of God's I wills. Listen, understand this. Sometimes walking in fullness is simply this, trusting that God will. Yeah. 
really is. It's about faith, trusting that God will. So Moses spoke thus to the sons of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses on account of their despondency and their cruel bondage. Man, things are so bad, I can't even believe that it could ever possibly be good, Moses. You ever had your life so bad that you had a hard time ever thinking that it would be good again? That's what he's saying. They think it's so bad that they're, they're doomed. He says, now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, go and tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, let the sons of Israel go out of the land. But Moses spoke before the Lord saying, behold, the sons of Israel have not listened to me. How then will Pharaoh listen to me? For I'm unskilled in speech. The Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, and he gave charge to the sons of Israel and to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to bring the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt. So if you're going out, you're going out. If God says you're going out, you're going to go where? If God says you're going out, you're going to go where? Uh, yeah, sometimes we lose sight of this. If God says that's the direction, that is the what? Direction. So, so I, I personally have been this. Tell me this is happening. I've been in this season where everything is kind of humdrum, like this is a pain in the rear. That's hard, and this is hard, and this is a struggle. And why did, why did you let me do that, God? This doesn't seem to be working out quite the way I thought. Anybody else ever feel that way? Like, this seems a little cockeyed. Like, God, I thought I was walking with you. I thought I heard your voice. Pretty sure I heard your voice. In fact, I know I heard your voice. But this doesn't seem like it's very easy. This is actually pretty hard. And, and like, I said to you guys probably about a year, year and a half ago, I said, man, I've always been God's boy. Did anybody else ever feel that? Like, like you and God are intimate. Like, you, like, I've always felt that way. In the last season, I'm like, you done forgot about me. I, I'm serious. I've felt that way more than once. Like, just like... Man, I used to ask and you would answer. I'd say, is this the way? And you'd say yes or no. And now I did all the things that I thought were yeses and nos. And this is hard. This is hard. This is different. Like, God, you, like, if I feel a little like Moses. Man, why did you ever send me? Why'd you, why? Why don't you just leave my life alone? It was easy. Anybody else ever felt that? Am I talking to anybody, please? And God says, listen, you can't see where you're going, but I can. Faith means you trust me even when it looks upside down. See, see, faith means that when it's not working as easily as we thought it would. How many of you like easy? Come on, let's just be honest. How many of you guys like easy? I like easy. I like, I like when I go and get my brake rotors turned at the O'Reilly's parts store yesterday, and they mess them up, and they look at me, and they go, we messed them up. Here are new ones on us. Like, I'm, I'm like, ooh, we're about to fight. Like, you know, Michael was with me. Uh, he's like, Dad, that was really easy. Like, they didn't even argue. And I didn't even say, I didn't even have to suggest it. I walked in, I looked at them, I'm like, um, these aren't right. And they, they go, oh, we know. And they put new boxes in my hands. I'm like, what do I owe you? Nothing. I didn't even have to pay for the turning fee. I didn't pay anything. So I'm walking away like, heck yeah, God's on my side. Got me some new rotors. Didn't have to pay nothing. <laughs> See, if God says go, he provides. If God says do this thing, he meets you. And when it doesn't look the way you want it to look, you have to check yourself, not check God. We've all been here. This is life. Am I talking the truth right now? I'm encouraging you, reframe the way you're thinking because your mindset often will dictate how you behave. Like, when, I tell this story and then I'm going to pray for you. We'll be done right now. So I've always had this, like, desire, hunger to discover God. 
like even though I didn't really necessarily like even when I first got saved, I was just curious. Anybody else curious about like, like does God move this way? So does He heal? Prophetic words. Like I just would find myself looking for stuff, and and I was always fascinated by like stories like this. Like God keeps saying to Moses that I'll do this, and I know you don't expect it. It looks a little cockeyed, but I'll do this also. And you just watch it keep happening with Moses. Well, I was in a meeting one time. This is man. This is 30 years ago at least. And in this meeting, I got a few I wills. And, and it was a prophetic word. Now, I'm not necessarily, um, I don't like it when strangers tell me things about Jesus because I don't know them. I, anybody else feel that way? I, I don't know. Like, I'd not really experienced this kind of stuff. Now I like it. But in these days, it was kind of like, who's this guy? And why should I think he's actually talking from God? And, and I'm kind of in this room, and I, but I'm watching him tell other people, like, encouraging words from the Lord. And they were good because I knew the people. So I was like, wow, that's pretty good. And then, then I go up, and, and he says a few things to me that were I wills. And in that day, there was nothing for me. Like, it's not like I was a preacher, a pastor. I wasn't even sure that I was even called to ministry at this point. I was just a brand new believer, just wanted to walk with Jesus. And the first thing he said was this. He, he says this, I'll give you things beneath the surface. He's speaking as from God. I'll give you things beneath the surface. Now, what's really weird for me is when I look at the word of God, I always look past the text. I always do. Like, like I try to find like, God, what are you saying that's not obvious? And it's a little bit of a hunger for me. Like there's a, a desire, like, I, I, so I'll give you things beneath the surface. So some people read the Bible and they read and they go, you, you know, whatever. Jesus, like my, my son and I had this conversation. Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Did he mean cannibalism? No, no. no that's not what he meant at all. So if you study into that, you find that it's actually rich. He's, he's declaring to them, I'm the Messiah, but you have to understand the Bible. You have to dig to find that. Otherwise, it looks like eat my flesh, drink my, it's weird. And there's lots of stories like that when you look at Jesus. Well, for me, it was like, I want to know underneath. I want to discover God who is. I don't want to know the God who's just the I am. I want to know the God who is, the one who's present with me, the one who helps me to understand my attitudes, my successes, my failures, how to stay humble when I experience, like, how do I stay connected? Am I talking to anybody right now? I want to know that. He said, I'll give you things beneath the service. And then he said this, I'll shake you up with my power. And I remember he was even shaking my head when he said it. I'll shake you up with my power. And I remember like then thinking, well, what the heck does that mean? But if I were to look over the 35 years now, it's actually been 35 years. January was 35 years. I've been walking with the Lord. Over and over, I can look at different stories where he just showed up where it doesn't make sense. And it's things as small as free rotors and things as big as, I'm going to make you a pastor now. You're going to make me a pastor now? I got a great job. I don't want to be a pastor anymore. I got kids. I need money. God says, now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the time now? Yeah, now. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to make you a senior pastor. You are, really. I don't really, do I want to even be that? <laughs> you know? But when you start to discover the power of God, you start to just lean into God. What are you saying? I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll walk where you tell me to walk. And then he said this, and I'll show you that I'm a God at hand. Now, I find myself reminding me of all three of those right now. Because when the season's hard, you know you have to talk to your own heart sometimes. You do. When the season's difficult, you need to talk to yourself. 
Like, like listen, I, if, I, if I'm real honest with you, I've had days in the recent months where I leave the house because nobody wants to be around me. They don't say it. They don't say, Dad, you should leave because you're bugging us. I leave because I know I need something from God, and what I'm spilling out right now is not God. Edgy, stressed, weirded out, whatever the circumstance, lots of different things. And, I, and so I find myself going back and going, okay, God, you said you'd give me things beneath the surface, so I'm calling you forth on your promise. Some of you need to do the same. God, God you said that you would shake me up with your power. I need to see your power right now. Because right now I feel like I'm failing a lot. And, and I want to hurt the people that I love. And, and I don't want to bring, you know, disrepute to your name. I, I want to be faithful. And I'm struggling. And, and it's, I don't want this. Can you help me? I need your power. And then I will show you that I'm a God that's at hand. God, I need your presence right now. Now, listen, when you think like that, it'll alter the way your mind's thinking naturally. And I mean naturally in a negative way. You know that as a man thinks in his heart, he... He is. So if you're always thinking cruddy, your life will be what, church? It'll be cruddy. But when you start to go, okay, that's not a God thought. I need to capture that thought. God, I don't think I can do that. I actually said this to God about a week ago. I don't think I can do this, God. Like this thing, he's, I feel like he's asking, I don't think I can do this. He goes, yeah, remember I'll shake you up with my power. Okay. <laughs> you know, okay. If you said yes, then it's got to be what? I'm trying to just encourage you. We're all in this season of trying to walk with God and discover him. Like if you're in a really great season, awesome. It will change. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just being honest. It ebbs, it flows. It's good, it's bad. There's areas that are good, areas that are bad. What I'm encouraging you to is stay in faith because God promised that he would show up in your life. Promised it. So I want to encourage you. Stay in faith. Don't lose heart. Does this make sense, church? Just trying to encourage you. Don't lose heart. So I want to pray for you right now. Uh, we already had prayer during worship, so I'm not going to make this longer. I'm, I'm going to wrap up, but I want to pray a few things over you as we close. And, and this was just me kind of processing, God, what do you, what are you saying to the hearts that are in the room this morning? Those who are going to listen online, what is it that you want to encourage them with? And the first thing he said is, um, some of you are just like Moses. I, I can't speak well. You're making excuses, but God is still calling you. He's still calling you, and he hasn't changed his mind. So, so some of you just need to lay that down. I'm going to pray for you, and you're going to take a moment with God. Some of you just need to lay that down. Um, some of you are just like the, the people. You have a slave mentality. Like slave, you've been in bondage so long that it feels normal. You don't know what freedom is. And God is trying to bring you into freedom. So you, you need to break off the slave mentality. And, and the last one is some of you have really had opposition. And so you think everybody's against you. So you don't want to try to do anything because you don't want people against you. So I want to pray for you. Those are the ones that stood out to me as I was asking the Lord to show me. So if it applies to you, just agree with me in prayer while we do this. So Father, I first just want to say thank you. Thank you for the time of worship. Thank you for Santosh and team and the, your presence as we worshiped you. God, thank you for the ministry that happened um, during our song time. And God, I want to pray over those who feel like there's something limiting them. They can't speak well. They're not smart enough. They don't think well. They, they've made too many mistakes. You don't know my journey. 
God, I, I'm confident in saying this. I, I, I'd be surprised if anybody in the room has made more mistakes than Moses. So God, we just want to lay the excuses at your feet and say, God, we want to do what you want us to do. We want to lay down the disagreement, the insecurity, the unwillingness, the selfishness, and just say, God, if you want us to move in that direction, we want to say yes to you. The next group is the ones with a slave mentality. God, we want to just pray that you would break that off. That there's been bondage for so long that freedom is not even understood. It's not something that's considered. But God, you said this. You said those whom the, the Son has set free, they are free indeed. So God, we pray that there would be a release of strength, of courage, of freedom. That you would break off the slavery mentality. And God, I pray that you would restore and, and bring about a sense of stability and who you've called them to be and what you've called them to, to become. And God, we just pray for an extra measure of grace, particularly over those who feel stuck. And God, for those who've had opposition and they've had folks against them, and maybe it's even within their family, maybe it's their closest friends, maybe it's people who look down on faith or Christianity as, as, a, as an item at all. God, I pray that you would allow them to stand against opposition to press through even when it's not easy. And God, not to let opposition be the thing that stops them from saying yes to you. That's the most important thing. God, all of us are here this morning because we want to discover you. All of us are here because we want to follow where you're leading us and we want to say yes to you. So God, I pray that you would help us as we prepare to go today, help our, our no's that are in disagreement with your will to become yeses that we would lay down our misunderstanding. God, I don't even get how this could happen, but I'll do it if you'll lead me, if your presence will go with me. So God, I pray that that would be the case, that we would all know the intimacy and the closeness of God, and we would not shrink back from where you're leading us. Thank you for this morning. Again, I, I, I'm always thankful that we have the privilege to worship freely. We have the privilege to own a Bible and to look at it and study it. And we have the, the privilege to discover you in ways that other places in the world do not have. And we just want to say thank you, God. As we go today, let us go encouraged, blessed, and challenged by your spirit to go where you lead us to go. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, God bless you guys. Love you. Um, we will see you this evening. Bring something to share. Looking forward to sharing that time with you. And, and I hope I win my two NFL games today. Yes, okay. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday.